life opens up and pain decreases the moment that you focus more on what you can do and what you do have within the body rather than the restriction and the fear of what you don't have. Hi, we are Colleen and Colleen, and we have made it our mission to spread kindness and make everyone feel like they belong. So each week we will share real life stories, motivating insights, and helpful tips that will inspire you to live a kinder, happier life. We believe that together we can make the world a much better place. Are you in? I'm in. Let's do this. Welcome to the You Fit Here podcast. Hey guys, it's CB and welcome to another episode of You Fit Here. I am so excited about today. I have been following our guest for years now and she has unknowingly been helping me through so many things physically and mentally and emotionally. She is the creator of the Mobility Method and the Optimal Body. She hosts the Optimal Body Podcast. She, oh yeah, is a physical therapist that has totally changed the game of physical therapy. She's on a mission to help people who are willing to actually listen to their bodies. I mean, she's ranked as one of the best fitness trainers by Shape Magazine on Instagram. She is recently on the cover of a magazine and just got engaged. She is all the things. So please help me welcome our guest, Dr. Jen Esker. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I've loved all you guys are doing and what you promote in the world. So I'm happy to be here. Uh, She is just the best. So Jen is a physical therapist, but not just a physical therapist, how you might think, how I would normally think you have to go to a doctor and then get a doctor's note to go fix something with your body. And it was like a daunting process when you thought of physical therapy. But she has kind of turned this all upside down and made it her own, totally non-traditionally. And it's made it accessible and achievable for everybody. So Jen, tell us about how you all got started and how you got to where you are today. Oh, man. Um, It's funny because going into PT school, I would always say, business, that's over my head. I'm always going to work for someone. And it's just kind of been this progression of following my passion and listening to, well, this doesn't seem right, so I'm going to do something else. And this doesn't feel right, so what if I try something else? And continuing to kind of follow that, it's fostered an Instagram growth that I had no idea I was leading into. (laughs) Um, And from there, it was like, okay, well, how can I do things that would actually help people and let them know I went through physical therapy school? And so that's when I started educating online. And then from there, it was I had the opportunity to meet a lot of mentors and people that I respected, whether they were physical therapists or chiropractors, personal trainers, anyone, and had the opportunity to really meet a lot of amazing individuals and learn. And so from there, it just continued to expand my mind of what was possible. I remember watching a chiropractor work on someone at their home, and she basically did an entire physical therapy session. And I was like, wait a minute, you're working for yourself, doing your own thing. And you're you're not in a clinic setting, you're not doing a traditional chiropractic treatment, as far as what I thought was just, just adjust and go. They did a whole treatment with movement and breath and manual work. And I was like, that's my job. So could I be doing this? And then from there, just kind of following it and saying, okay, I took clients outside of when I worked at a traditional therapy office and I started to build my own thing on the side at a CrossFit. And then from there, I started to see Instagram growth continue to grow, but also what are those videos you've been doing for people and how could I help them more and and discover their body? And so that's when I was like, let me launch programs. (laughs) And it was just this natural progression of this doesn't feel like it's working. So how could I do it different? And continuing to be open to the possibilities of learning from other people. And through that journey, it's really led me to where I am now, which is, yeah, I still treat patients, but very minimally. And the majority of my work that I'm doing is really trying to reach people all over the globe in terms of getting them to understand their own body and increase their awareness so that they can essentially heal themselves and be empowered to understand all these crazy things that happen within the body in a way that doesn't have to be so daunting and scary and confusing. And it's been an incredible journey, and I'm just grateful to continue down the journey of the path. 
It's amazing, you guys. So we preach all of our kindness messages and inspiration and these things within our minds and, you know, our energy, our spirits. But we don't think about our bodies all that often. I think our bodies are kind of the lowest on the totem pole. Sure, we work out, but are we really digging deep and understanding our bodies and what our bodies can do and how we should really be taking care of this vessel that we have to live in? And her videos, ugh, I can't even, you guys. You'll you'll understand after you go stalk her after this podcast. But describe the mobility method with us. This is one of the programs you were talking about. Yeah. So that was really important because it was like, one, I knew people really loved me for mobility for whatever reason. I would show mobility to strength, to corrective exercises and continue to build. But no one cared about that stuff for me. <laughs> they all cared about what the baseline stuff, which was what I was showing. And so it was a cool concept, though, to be like, okay, people want mobility from me, but at the same time, this is amazing because this is the foundation. So I feel like I could be in very good alignment with no matter who comes into this, we all have different kinds of restrictions within the body at different parts. And even if you are more of a hypermobile person, do you know how to stabilize around that mobility that you have within the body? So mobility isn't just flexibility. It's not just passive stretching, but it's actually being able to control that range within the body so that you become more functional when you need to go chase after your kid or you trip and you're going to catch yourself with your legs. So rather than pulling a hamstring randomly, you actually have control of your body. You're not prone to as much injury and pain. And so that's where it was really like, you know, people can search my Instagram and try to find the one thing for their one problem, but it doesn't work like that. And the body is so all connected. And so that's where it became, how can I show people how the body works in as a whole? And how can I bring them back to the appreciation of what they have and the appreciation of what they haven't even tapped into or have been neglecting? You know, we, we usually don't even pay attention to that body part until it starts being in pain or until we injure it. Mm -hmm. We don't essentially understand like, oh, I can reach overhead and do all these things and grab pieces until my shoulder hurts. And I'm like, oh, now I can't reach overhead. So, you know, it was getting people back into this possibility of, of realizing the full capability of your body, taking control of it now, um, even if you are in pain or hopefully before you have pain so that you can start to learn, you start to feel empowered. And again, you start to reduce the risk of injury and pain that you feel in the body. It's amazing. And not only that, but you are just like this beam of energy on Instagram all the time. You are so connected to people and you genuinely want to take in what they're saying and help them. Unlike anyone else on Instagram that would just, oh, I like your comment, but you truly connect with these people and want them to feel the best that they can within themselves. That's why we are so drawn to you. I think you you are such an inspiration for so many people, not only physically, but just mentally and your whole energy that you put out there with everyone. Thank you. It's awesome. And exactly what you were saying, I'm sure so many of our listeners are guilty of me being prime candidate here. I don't pay attention to something until it's injured, and then I feel trapped in my body. Totally. <laughs> I, I find it so interesting that you said in the beginning, your whole path, this wasn't working for me, so I adapted. This wasn't working for me, so I adapted. And mobility has always come relatively easy, easy for me until I had this neck injury. And then I felt like I, I can't move how I want to move, and I got stuck in this couple weeks of just, well, then I'm not going to do anything. And it's kind of like our quarantine. Things aren't going how we originally planned or liked. So we're just going to sit and suffer through it instead of taking these steps and adapting. So with all these people that you reach, how do you get them to get to that place where we can adapt and we can shift? I really think it starts with compassion because the moment yeah. that you start to beat yourself up for why are you not doing it? Why is this not happening? And or even with pain, I see what happens with pain most often is that we pain is immediately bad. And that's the, what we've built into our head. So the moment I feel pain, I need to make it go away. Give me the quick fix. Give me the magic pill. Give me the one thing. 
Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it doesn't work like that. And that's okay. <laughs> you know, pain and being able to feel pain is a beautiful thing in the body. I mean, imagine stepping on a nail and never knowing that you stepped on a nail and then having it turn into something horrible and you have to chop off your foot. You know, it's so true. The, mo- the ability to feel pain is a gift. If we don't feel pain and we don't have that sensation, we don't have that feedback, that's when it becomes problematic. So mm-hmm. even the ability to feel pain is a gift. And I think when we switch into that mindset, it automatically helps to shift you into gratitude rather than fear and anxiety. And we mm-hmm. all talk about this in mindfulness and practices, and but we don't really take that into relation of a body. And it gets to come back to the body as well, because that's your first step to literally reducing your pain. If you know that you can shift your mindset the moment you step into gratitude, well, shifting that mindset puts you in a more parasympathetic state. That is your rest, relax, digest state. And when we're in more of that state, we reduce inflammation, reduce the sensitivity of pain into the nerves that talk to the brain. I mean, What usually happens when it's pain, first of all, pain is bad. I don't have time for pain. But that's the other thing. I don't have time for pain. I don't have time for this thing that's boggling me. I have to take care of my kids. I have to cook and clean and do work and all the other things, right? So it it draws this anxiety already within the body when you start to feel it. And that only increases that level of sympathetic feedback, that fight, flight, freeze. And I always like to relate this to like, If someone scares you, the immediate thing that you do is you take a breath in and everything becomes really tight. That's that sympathetic. And obviously it's not as extreme as that, but think about that happening in your body every time you're like, why is pain here? Oh my God, this is bad. I need to get rid of this. I don't have time for this. And we draw in these anxiety ridden thoughts about the pain that we're having and it's never going to go away and it's horrible and I have to live with this and all these things that we start to tell ourselves we're driving into that sympathetic and when we turn on that sympathetic that think of that response where everything gets really tight and pulls into your body that's what your body's doing because it's saying oh my god something is going wrong I need to protect you And so that tightness, they come in like back spasms. A lot of people get back spasms Um, or just that pinging not, not feeling that you have that's tension building within the body. Uh, So all of these are just signals and ways of your body protecting you, not fighting you. (laughs) And so if we stop trying to fight against our body when it has these times and we're like, oh, thank you. I understand that you're feeling like I'm in pain, like you need to protect me. You need to guard me. So thank you for having that reaction, for having that sensation and being able to protect me in a sense. And if we start to shift into that gratitude practice of pain, of symptoms, and then we start to say, okay, what have I been neglecting? Because if I'm, if my stomach is grumbling, I've been neglecting food. (laughs) If I'm yawning a lot, I've been neglecting sleep. And that's the same thing within the body. So rather than saying, oh my God, I have this pain in my neck. What do I do for the pain in my neck? What have I been neglecting within my body? Is it upper back mobility? Is it overall strength? Have I not been out and walking? Have I not been slowing down my breath and calming down? Have I not been doing other practices that really get me out of stress and anxiety? Because especially when we're talking about the neck and low back, those are the two places where your body is going to respond to stress the most. And so if we're not even addressing the type of stress that we're in in the environment, then we shouldn't really be doing any exercises for the neck or for the the body part because let's be real, it's not going to change anything. Oh my gosh. It's like you're relaying exactly what I went through. I have this pain and then anxiety kicks in overdrive. I can't go to a doctor right now because of all this stuff. And then panic mode. And I had to start through talking. Actually, I woke up to one of your videos that was like neck pain. And I'm like, she's reading my mind. She's telling me exactly what to do. And some of the things were just like, are you sitting at a desk all day? It's just things that I'm neglecting in my daily life. I'm not even paying attention to that. I'm now changing. And I started writing in my journal. What am I grateful for every morning? My body. I am healthy. I am healing and showing myself a little gratitude for this body instead of 
being mad at myself and mad at these restrictions that I'm having. I think how you rephrase that and reframe it to compassion is brilliant because so many of us just immediately go to anger towards Mm -hmm. ourselves and our bodies. Mm -hmm. Like, you're failing me instead of, no, you love me. You're telling me something. What can I change? I think it's brilliant. (laughs) So that is being said when we have one of those injuries or pain is waking us up to this. Why do you think it takes people that to start thinking about these things instead of taking care of their bodies just from the get-go when they're feeling good one day? You know, I think it's not to blame anyone because our lives are busy and there's a lot happening. And especially if you have family and other people that you're taking care of, there's a lot going on on a day-to-day basis. So sometimes you are the last thing that you're thinking about. And Mm -hmm. it's not that I'm intentionally not getting out and moving enough and not taking care of my body and I don't love my body, but it's just that sometimes I feel that it's the last thing on my priority list. And so rather than feeling overwhelmed by adding another thing onto the priority list, that's where I like to like sprinkle things in because Mm -hmm. I, I am like everyone else, right? I'm not going to add an hour a day and expect to do that all the time. It's just Mm -hmm. not the reality. I mean, yeah, sometimes I can get an hour long workout and that's great, but I'm not going to do an hour long of mobility after that. That's just not going to happen. And so I realized that I'm not going to ask other people to do something that I wouldn't do myself or is not reality. Mm -hmm. And even when it comes to my clients or my patients, I'm not going to ask them to do something unless they know it's worth it. They understand what it's doing within their body and they understand where they can put it in throughout their day. Because if you're asking me to do seven different new exercises and it's going to take an hour long and I don't understand why you're just telling me it will work, (laughs) I'm not going to do it. Mm -hmm. So and that's where I'm like, therapists can't blame clients. We actually get to blame ourselves and like, well, we didn't convey the information in an educated way for someone to feel like this is worth doing it for. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I say, okay, how can I just start to sprinkle in little things throughout my day? So I know my upper back is usually pretty restricted. So can I do some some things before I get out of bed in the morning that just is passive stretching, something to get me moving from being in a static position all night long? And then when I get out, can I just do a couple feet exercises when my feet hit the ground and then I'm up and walking and, and getting my coffee and all of that took two minutes. And then how can I break up my day when I'm at work and or I'm sitting at my desk, even if we're at home, how can I move my, I mean, I, I think it's so great that, you know, we get to see the positive light in, in all of this. And although we can't be in an office, okay, you get to be at home. So now you can move, you have the ability to move your office. So can I bring my laptop and do it on, work on the floor? So I will put my laptop on a little coffee table and sit crisscross applesauce and work for there a little bit. I will put my computer on the couch and lay down on my stomach so I'm getting some natural extension. And obviously, we don't want to be there forever because it starts to hurt your elbows or your neck. So then I'll sit in my chair that doesn't have a back and then I'll stand. And how can we really mix up and do something different and move more often than we're static? Because... Although we've gone from sit to stand desk, yes, it's good to go from sitting to standing, but we also don't want to be standing all day long, just like we don't want to be sitting all day long, just like we don't want to be lying all day long. So it's really more about what is the next position, the next posture, the next movement that you're going to do that's going to shift and change your body. That's it. So if I'm seated all day like this, well, then how can I come into different movements and uh, and open? Or how can I rotate? How can I side bend? How can I get my body to feel something different than what I was previously doing? And as long as we start to increase that awareness and sprinkle little things in here and there and take these exercises that we might learn or see or understand within our body and understand where we can put them in throughout the day, a couple before a workout, a couple after a workout, one before you go to bed, we all of a sudden have this whole mobility routine that we didn't really have to think about and we could spread out throughout the day. And when you think about it that way, it takes a little pressure off 
and it doesn't become so incredibly overwhelming. And maybe it's even something fun. It's like a task list that you do with your significant other. Like, oh, did you do your stretches today? And you have your accountability partner to kind of hold you accountable and something fun you guys are doing together. You can get creative with it. Um, and I think that's where having people virtually, so whether it's a friend, a coach, a program that you're literally signing up for, it holds you accountable. That's what a gym membership does, right? If I'm going to pay a membership, I'm going to probably want to go to that gym. So it's mm -hmm. the same thing. If you need more help getting into your body, pay for something. Ask for accountability. You know, ask for a partner to just like call on the phone every week and say, hey, how have you been progressing with this? But there's ways to, to find that adjustment and to find that creativity you just have to see what works for you. And there's no one perfect way. You know, it's everybody works a little bit differently. Some people want it written down. Some people want it in video. Some people want a friend. Some people need someone in front of their face. It just depends. But really understanding what works for you is going to be best. And then seeing how you can sprinkle it in throughout the day is also going to be so supportive for your body in the long run. That's so true. And you talking about the why behind it, because it, I have like a list of stretches I should be doing right now from a doctor that's, well, do this. Well, OK, I'll do them, but I'm bored and I don't really want to do them. And I don't know why I'm doing them. So I'm probably going to give up after three or four days. And then six months later, oh, this hurts again, <laughs> you know, because you don't think about the progress it's actually making because I don't know what I'm doing or why I'm doing it. But when you have the goal, the this is what's happening within your body, when you are breaking down the stress reactions and the tension, it, when you hear it like that, you can picture it and visualize and say, okay, I'm going to do this to strengthen this or move this and increase this range of motion. It makes so much more sense and takes the pressure off of here's your doctor's orders to you know, do X, Y, and Z, and hopefully you'll feel better. But if my mind isn't in check with why I'm feeling better, I feel like it doesn't all add up. Oh, 100%. But. I wouldn't do it either. I remember right. um, it was one of my biggest lessons, actually. I was, I would, I wore contacts all growing up, basically. Mm -hmm. And there was a point where my contacts were getting, my eyes were getting really sensitive to my contacts, but I couldn't really feel it. But my eyes would get really red and everyone would be like, oh my God, your eyes are so red. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even know. <laughs> and so I went to one eye doctor and he was like, oh, don't put red eyes in put this little $50 bottle <laughs> into your eyes. And for a grad student, I'm like, this little bottle is $50 and I'm going to pay for this to fix me. This doesn't make sense. He didn't tell me what was wrong with my eyes. He didn't tell me why they were getting red. He just said, don't use red eyes and, and use this little bottle. Well, I used it a couple times and then I was like, this isn't working. Red eyes works way faster and my eyes get clear. <laughs> and so I stopped using it. And then I went to another doctor who actually started bringing out charts and showing me what was happening and why my eye was getting red and what the eyelid was doing and what these drops are and what they would do for the eye. And I started crying. And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm not crying because I'm sad. I'm crying because like I, I actually now have the knowledge. I actually understand. And I know I'm not an eye doctor. I don't need to understand it, but I need to understand what this would do for my body and why I would have the patience to implement it. And that is, it was the most powerful lesson to actually be able to receive because I could be like, this is why people don't do their exercises. You can't blame them if they don't understand or feel why it would work or why it would help. That's a perfect description of it. It's when it all lines up mentally, emotionally, physically, that's when the changes happen, I feel like, in my life. And giving people, you don't have to go to medical school to just have a general understanding of what you're doing and why you're doing it. And then it opens up so much possibility. Exactly. Speaking of possibility, we are all, you know, sometimes caught up in limiting beliefs about ourselves. I'm not a runner. I can't do that. I could never do the splits. I could, you know, we have these things about ourselves where when you're talking to like a friend or one of my dance students, I'm like, you can totally do the splits. We're just going to progress and work on it e each week. And But we talk about ourselves or think about ourselves in certain ways that are 
immediately restricted, you know, my knees are won't ever let me do that or I could never be a gymnast, you know, but how do we change our minds to stop limiting what our bodies can do? I think it comes from a whole body conversation. So this is like one of my favorite topics to talk about because in my mind, there's three parts of a conversation. There is what someone is telling you. So a lot of times I've heard this from clients too. Well, my doctor said I'm, you know, in my 30s, so I probably shouldn't bike ride anymore. And I'm like, what? Or like, you just shouldn't Mm -hmm. weight train anymore. You shouldn't do this. And so all these things we've been told about us, whether it's from a doctor or just your parent growing up, or, oh, this is genetic. This is what you're going to have. This is what your body's going to do. Or whether it was a coach when you were growing up, whatever, whoever it was, we've had these these things put onto us. Even if it wasn't onto you, it was what your parents were saying around you or your siblings were saying around you and the limiting beliefs that they were putting on themselves, you also start to think, oh, well, could that happen to me? And is that going to, well, since they're related and this is going to be my reality. And, and we start putting those external conversations we hear onto us. And then there's the internal conversation. Well, now how am I interpreting everything? What am I making up about it? And that's exactly what you you were saying was really like, well, well, I can't do that. Uh, my knees would never do this. And my doctor said that. So I just shouldn't, you know, even try. And, and we put all these incredible <laughs> limiting beliefs on ourselves, which is just crazy. And then there's going into what I think is the most important part of a conversation, which is the listening portion. Because if you're sitting here listening to me, you're saying I'm worth listening to. And then that's where I get to say, okay, well, are you doing that to your body? You're worth listening to. And that's where I think people, we're never going. We we completely neglect. Well, no, but I should do this because the doctor told me to, or because my friend told me to, or because the trainer told me to. But we're not doing this because my body feels like it needs more opening. My body feels like it needs more strength. My body feels really restricted in my hips, so I'm just going to spend some time sitting on the ground. My body feels like, you know, we we don't take enough time to really listen. Or we're eating a food that doesn't feel right, and so let me just pop a tum, wait for it to go away, and then do eat eat it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're not taking the time to really say, you're worth listening to. Why could that have been happening? Why might I feel fatigued? Why might I feel sad? Why might I feel restricted? So whatever it is, we're not taking the time to really listen. And then, you know, and then we stay stuck in all these conversations. We just, we just say, well, that's what is. But that's where it was like, we just have to open our mindset just a bit and, and see what else is out there. Because it doesn't have to be your reality just because someone told you or because you told you. But if you say, this is what I want to do, I want to be able to touch my toes. Look at this person who's in their 60s and they can touch their toes. Well, if they can do it, why couldn't I do it? And I'm in my 30s. So that's where it's looking for proof outside of yourself. Look for proof that it's been done and you will start to believe, oh, maybe this is possible. So even though my doctor said it, even though I'm not sure I believe it, I've seen that it is now possible. And when we start to do that, we can start to really start to shift these beliefs that we have about our bodies. Um, I know for myself, it was when I was in PT school and I met some really incredible people. One of them had cerebral palsy and watching him, he was like 35. He lived on his own at the time and he had severe contractures. So he lived in a wheelchair and, but he lived on his own. So he showed us how he would like move from to the ground and put on his button, his shirt and put on his shoes and how he would pull himself back into his wheelchair. And it looks painful and it takes a while, but he has no, like no complaining, nothing. The moment he got too big to pull himself back into his wheelchair, he started swimming with his therapist so that he can lose weight and, and still live on his own. And so you look at this and here's a person who's not looking at his, what he can't do or what he doesn't have, but he's shifting it and he's saying, well, this is what I do have in my body. This is what I can do. So how do I work with this? And that's where I feel like we're, we neglect a lot. We, we're always like, well, I can't do this. I can't do this. I don't do this. 
And it's like, let's drop that because Mm -hmm. that doesn't get us anywhere. (laughs) Like, what is Mm -hmm. that going to do except continue to drive this loop of what you can't do and convince other people around you, not even yourself, that you can't do it, but it might even convince them that they Mm -hmm. can't do it either. And so even like looking at Amy Purdy, who three-time Olympic gold medalist, who is a bilateral amputee below the knee and she for she won three olympic medals in snowboarding with no feet (laughs) it's insane but the moment that she you know had to make the decision to get her feet cut off it wasn't like okay now i can't ever snowboard or i can't do this i don't have my feet i don't have this it was like okay well i do have my legs they do have prosthetics so how can we continue to make the prosthetics better and better and better so that i can do what i want to do and it was the focus on what I do have. I do have my arms. I do have my body. I do have my strength. It was the focus on what I can do and what I do have rather than what I can't do and what I don't have. And I think especially in times of pain, that's when we get to come back to this concept because, okay, my back hurts. I can't, I can't bend over. Okay. Can you use your legs? Can you use your arms? How can you get creative in this situation? Can I roll? Maybe I do have to stay more neutral right now. That's okay. My body's working itself out and protecting itself. And I might be seeing someone to get guided along the process, but in this moment, I'm not going to focus on what I can't do, but I'm going to stay focused on what I can do. How can I sit? That makes me feel more comfortable. How can I lay? That makes me feel more comfortable. What can I do that still allows me to perform the tasks that I want to do? So when we stay in that sense, we continue to be reminded of the little tasks that start to open up once we're in pain. We start to see the possibilities of light at the end of the tunnel, of progression rather than regression. And we start to notice how life opens up and pain decreases the moment that you focus more on what you can do and what you do have within the body rather than the restriction and the fear of what you don't have. That's amazing. Changing the whole perspective of it. It just like opens up a whole new door of possibility for yourself. I love that. I love that. I think there's so many people who follow a lot of inspirational accounts, whether it be physically, fitness, you know, mentally, personal growth. But, you know, they just follow. They just watch what everyone else is doing. And it like, well, I'm following these accounts. So Somehow I'm consuming good content, but how do we go from just consuming the content and sitting on the couch and not actually implementing the content to actually implementing, go out and do that stuff. Like, don't just sit and watch someone else live their life. You live your life. Mm -hmm. You know, how do we get to that place where we keep saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. How do we get motivated to actually start doing it? I think it's a matter of one, coming into gratitude for what you have and what, you, what you're grateful for in the moment. And then two, setting the intention for what you want to create. So mm-hmm. every night going to bed, me and my fiance will say what we want to, what our intention is moving forward into the next day. What is it that we want to create? What is it that we want to focus on? So that I'm not stuck and sitting in, mm-hmm. you know, the day to day of, oh my God, I'm, I want to do this and I want to do that. But like, no, I'm going to set my intentions the day before so that I mm-hmm. actually start to do it. And then when it comes to creating new habits, I think Sometimes we get so fired up and so and we get inspired by watching what other people are doing and we and we start to take on these huge tasks like okay I'm going to mm-hmm. work out an hour then I'm going to do my mobility then I'm going to make my smoothie then I'm going and it's like totally. if you haven't done that the possibility of you actually one even doing it for a day let alone after that is probably really small yeah. so how can we say what is I think first it's setting up like, what is your clear, clear intention? What is your clear, clear goal? Maybe it's for the day to day. Maybe it's for the week or for the month. Like, what is it truly that you want to create and why? Like, why do you want to lose weight? Is there a pain in your body that you're feeling? Is it the way that your clothes fit? Is it, is it your judgment on yourself because you're going to keep judging yourself no matter how much weight you lose if that's the main thing. So it's really getting clear, like what is, where is this, this intention coming from this drive and this desire? If it's coming out of place of fear and hate, 
I would encourage people to do a little bit more digging there and mm-hmm. have start with exactly what we said, compassion. Everybody is different. Everybody is unique and beautiful. And when we continue to come at it from a place of hate, it doesn't change because even if the structure, if the overlining, if the aesthetics change, you're still going to hate it. So mm-hmm. coming back into, okay, why do I really want to change this? And how can I come from it more out of a place of love? And even if you don't believe it, like I love my body. Oh, I really don't. But even if you don't believe it, start saying it. It's just mm-hmm. going to start to change it. Start saying it out loud. Start writing it down and be focused on like, this is my intention. This is this is why I want to create. This is my clarity. This is clear. Now, what are the steps that it's going to take for me to get there? And know mm-hmm. that make baby, baby steps. So start with like the big goal, then break it down, break it down, break it down, break it down. Mm -hmm. And the more that you can break it down into like, I'm going to walk a one block every day. Like if you haven't been getting out and walking, set it so small, Mm -hmm. or I'm going to walk a block every three times a week. I'm going to like, it it doesn't even have to be every day. If you haven't been doing it, set Mm -hmm. the habits small, set the intention to be manageable, achievable, and then ask for support. I think we get so concerned with the things that I have to do. I need to do it for myself. I need to do this. And yes, but if it's new to you and there's someone that you know has been doing it really well, it's okay to ask for support and they probably want to support you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So even if it's your friend across country and you're like, I don't have motivation to work out this week, can we do a FaceTime workout, which I've done with friends. I've done Skype workouts during this quarantine with friends, FaceTime workouts. You know, how can we ask for support when we need it, receive support when someone wants to give it, and continue to to be in more of a place of thriving, you know, in mm-hmm. these ways, rather than just trying to survive. I love that. I think when you said this intention at the beginning – And then like breaking down all of it, breaking down the very first, those limiting beliefs we have. Why do I have that limiting belief? Like, let's uncover all of these reasons why I think this way to begin with and like unravel that so that I can be free to believe in myself and believe I can do certain things. And I love the bit about reaching out for support. I had a friend actually text me yesterday I am not flexible. I'm the most unflexible person. I need accountability. I need someone to help me. And you know what I'm going to say to her? I'm going to say, you can be flexible. (laughs) Remove that limiting belief first, and then we'll take some steps towards flexibility. I think it's great. I think it's also great. Um, You seem like such a motivated person. You and your now fiance, congratulations, newly engaged, um, are constantly posting positive, exciting, fun things. How do you guys stay motivated every day, even in this quarantine and this crazy time that we're all in? You know, we're very open to communicate and we're open to like showing emotions. I've been in relationships before where it's like, you shouldn't cry. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. And I'm so lucky to have a partner who's so open to holding space to, you know, just whatever experience that I need to have personally, he has space to hold it. And I think that's so important. So whether it's personally, like holding space for yourself is number one. So if you're feeling like overwhelmed and you just want to cry, cry. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. it is okay, especially when we're just at home alone, there's a lot of emotions that are being processed and it's not about showing up. Like you're not going to be happy 24 seven. Yes. We want to shift our states. And like, if I'm sad, why am I sad? Let's be sad. And then let's shift it. Like Mm -hmm. it's the shift that's super powerful, but also realize that everyone is going through that. And there is overwhelm and there is anxiety. And so for us, like being able to have the open space, one, I think is always so important for us. And then two, we we develop practices. So 
him and I have daily breath work practice together, which only takes two to five minutes. So it's not anything that's overwhelming or takes a lot of time, but it's something super grounding and connecting and intention setting again. Um, so he, him and I do that like every morning together before we get into the craze of the day. <laughs> and then we set monthly goals as well. So every time before the new month, uh, we sit down and we write out three relationship goals, a word of the month that we want to kind of surround our energy toward. Mm -hmm. Um, and then three personal goals for me, three business goals for me, three personal goals for him, three business goals for him. And every month at the end of the month, we go through, we check what we, what we did or what we didn't do and why, and we kind of talk about them and see where we're at. And then we write new ones. And that has always helped to just bring an awareness of like, what are the habits that I want to create? What is the intention that I want to continue to do? Because it's, it's truly one thing to want it and to think about it, but it's another to actually write it down and to implement it. And, mm -hmm. and just having that accountability and support is huge as well of like someone who saw me write it down, someone who knows that this is what I'm intending and am I holding my word to it? Because one of the biggest things for me is integrity. So am I maintaining my integrity by keeping my own word to myself? And when we, like even before him, I would do it with a girlfriend and every week we would write down three things and we would text it to each other. And then we'd go over it the next week. Like, did you do the things that you said? And did I? And we would set new goals. And it's just the practice of having the support, the accountability, the keeping your word to yourself and really making those intentions real. Because mm -hmm. again, you can listen to all the podcasts, you can read all the books that are telling you to do these things, but it's a whole nother thing to actually put into practice. And I'm grateful to be surrounded by someone who really puts these things into practice, like even more than I do. Like his morning routines and his night routines are like set. <laughs> <laughs> He's incredible with them. So it's inspiring for me even to be around someone who like, this is what I say, this is what I'm doing. And I'm creating the daily habits to make sure I stay in a good state and I continue to set my intentions and create what I want to create. Yeah, I love the intentions and then also the going back and doing an inventory of how you did. So I have just a quick journal I do and every day at the end it says, what's something I wish or I could have done better next time or whatnot. And at first I was like, I don't like this. It seems like I'm ending my day on a negative. But then I was like, if I don't self-check myself for all the things I said I wanted to do, then who's the person holding myself accountable instead of just going through the motions there's no one to say, okay, well, am I actually creating something with all the things I want? Or am I just consuming all this information? This is how I want to live. This is how this is inspiring me, but I'm not putting forth the actual effort to make it happen. The intentionality behind that's so good. So I would assume that's part of what you would consider self-care and self-love in your life. But do you have other things that you practice? We believe in kindness in all aspects of our life, being kind to our bodies, our minds, everything. So what do you do personally to be kind to yourself? Um, really, it's just always catching the way that I'm talking to myself um, mm. because that had always been a struggle growing up. I I used to just get ready in the morning and just be like, oh, this looks awful. Oh, my hair. Oh, I'm fat. Oh, this. And like, it was, it wasn't to, I wasn't even trying to intentionally tear anything down. It was just how I got ready. Like, that's it. And it wasn't until someone pointed it out to me that you're creating a really, really negative environment around you that I was like, oh, this is negative for other people. <laughs> like, I just thought this was like an internal thing. And so when I started to realize that me even just saying these things created negativity or permission for other people to do the same, that's when I was like, oh, this really gets to shift. And so I started to write down two to three things I loved about myself every single day, which after a few days is like, what else is there? <laughs> it starts to get hard when you don't focus on yourself that way and you focus on everyone else. But it was the greatest practice. And then I also asked for support. So just like I've been saying this whole time, I asked for support. And I said, 
to my friends and family that were around me, if I say anything negative about myself, can you please catch me and make me reverse it? And if you say anything negative about yourself, I'm going to make you catch it and reverse it. And so it became this incredible thing. And like I was even able to do it with my mom and my friends. And it was such a cool thing because, again, I remember like going to... Uh, dinner with my parents and my mom and I are in the restroom and she's like oh my hair all this and I was like I'm you (laughs) it was like the first time that I really saw it and it was it was cool though to be able to talk to her about it and then her be like yeah let's like let's do it and her being open to it and shifting and 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 then all my friends starting to get on board with it and not being okay with saying, oh, I'm fat or I'm this. And it was like, that was almost the humble thing to do growing up, which is just so crazy. It was to tear yourself down and not accept compliments. And I'm like, what? <laughs> it's, it's just, it's been a whole mind shift. And so continuing to work on that on a daily basis and continuing to say, you know, how am I talking to myself? Am I putting myself in more overwhelm? Am I putting myself in more negativity? Am I saying all the things I have to do? Or am I saying the things I get to do and I'm choosing to do and I'm grateful to do because I have the ability to help so many people or because of whatever it may be? And so, you know, continuing to shift my own language, shift the way I talk to myself and ask for accountability and real feedback because it's not always great, you know, when you're asking for real feedback, like, oh, you're messing up in that. (laughs) But it's also the biggest blessing to have that support and accountability to make sure that I'm staying on and just bringing the light and energy that I know I am and that I want to continue to bring out into the world. Oh my gosh. You are so right. The talking, the self-talk, you're totally right about growing up. Like you're humble if you trash yourself, basically, which is just so messed up. (laughs) Like It's all self-deprecating. I was just saying this on one of our last episodes that I grew up with sarcasm and you just talked about yourself in a negative way to make other people laugh or comfortable. And now I have friends where we'll start rambling and then it's like, oh, my God, I can't even stand myself anymore. Like, I need to stop. Everything sounds so negative and miserable. And with our company, our Joy Loves Company 2 shirt, we were like, why can't joy be as contagious and infectious as misery? Because everyone wants a list of all the things that are going wrong in their life or that they, like you said, have to do today. I have no time. I can't do this because I have to do X, Y, and Z instead of, you know what? I'm alive another day and it's a beautiful thing and I get to do all these things. My dance students, I always say that the one rule in class is that there's one horrible word they can never say or they have to do push-ups, which is can't. (laughs) And then I'll say it and they're like, Miss Colleen, (laughs) you just said the C word. I'm like, you're right. But it's crazy when you see other people do it, but you don't correct yourself. I think it's all brilliant. So you are doing that. You are inspiring so many people. What is next for you? You are like a cover girl on magazine right now. You have a brand new podcast, a fiance. Tell us everything. Yes, it's amazing. Amazing, overwhelming. So, so fun. So amazing. Um, Yeah, I don't know how the cover thing happened, but I'm on oxygen. Yay. It's amazing. You look unbelievable, by the way. Not that only looks matter, but you do. Thank you. I received. Um, Yeah. The podcast has been amazing to really start one with my fiance, who's also a doctor of physical therapy and be able to do that together. I mean, him and I connected because initially our first conversation ever was really going on how we treat clients and how we look at the whole body approach. And we're looking at connection and what's going on in their lives and stress and breath. And he was doing cold plunges and all these things. And I'm like, wait, you do this too? <laughs> and it was it was a cool connecting point to really realize that we, we see the body in such a similar way and we treat from such a similar uh, practice and methodology. So for so it was exciting to be able to do this together. And um, just our goal is it's the Optimal Body Podcast. And our goal is to let you know that there's no one optimal body. It's what optimal means within your own body. And you get to figure that out yourself. We're not going to tell you, we're going to help guide you. And we really want to break down diagnoses and symptoms and all these crazy things that you get told about your body 
in a way that's easy for you to understand. It makes sense. It doesn't sound so scary. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it it allows you the purpose and the the ways to be able to get back into your body um, and take control of your health, like truly take control of your body without relying on something to fix you. So that's Mm -hmm. really our hope with the, with the podcast and continuing to see how we can reach people there. Um, Growing on YouTube now, Instagram still a thing, (laughs) Um, getting the membership, revamping content on there and the app. And it's all incredibly a lot sometimes, but it's absolutely, I'm just, I'm very grateful. It's amazing. And you're helping so many people. I send videos. My sister was like, my husband's having this pain he's been having. I'm like, oh, I have a video for you. Let me just (laughs) go back in Jen's videos on YouTube. And I sent her the links. There's just so much. You make things achievable. And it can be something as simple as a stretch on a wall for your arm that, oh my gosh, I'm going to take literally two minutes and do this. And holy cow, like I didn't even know that connected to this other part of my body. It's just makes you feel not in control of your body, but in tune with your body and achieve things within your body that you otherwise might have limiting beliefs towards. So you're helping so many people, not only with their bodies, but with their motivation, their mindset, all the good things. So tell everyone where they can go follow you and stay in tune with all this good stuff. Uh, Doc Genfit is across the board, all things, uh, Instagram, TikTok kind of, but not really (laughs) YouTube. I haven't tried it. I haven't tried it yet, but I feel like the day is coming. Maybe. (laughs) I know I did. It feels so overwhelming to me to like try to create all this content, but it is a fun platform. I will say that it's a super fun platform. Um, and then website, Doc Genfit and the Optimal Body Podcast and, Yeah. So it's all coming together and it's just super fun. It's amazing. And selfishly, because I love anyone who can stand on their hands and do the crazy tricks that you do. Are you doing this stuff on TikTok? So I have to follow to watch all these tricks that you can do. (laughs) (laughs) I've been putting some of them on there. Yes. I have a twerking handstand video on there. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I love it. Now that's the content I consume where I just sit in my bed and watch and I'm like, yeah, I'm not actually going to go try that and create those things, but I will consume that all day long because my days of handstanding, I should not limit myself, are not over. Not over. I just did one with my mom on Mother's Day, so not over. See? All right. I'm I'm changing my my self-talk right now. Handstanding coming right up. There you go. (laughs) Thank you so much, Jen. 